Hi. I know we talk about this quite a bit, but it bears repeating. We can only do this show the way that we do it because so many of you have gone to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. There are lots of different ways to support uh, shows, uh, lots of different ways that uh, you know uh, podcasters make money. We really enjoy having the direct relationship with you rather than running ads or stuff like that. So if you uh, have been thinking about doing it or haven't thought about doing it, however, if you're listening to this, consider going to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Uh, even a little bit goes a long way to help us uh, do the show the way we do. Thank you. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Games Club podcast. And this week we are reading your responses to October 2018, our Indie Horror Month. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody came out in force. Yeah. Where were you guys for Gabriel Knight 3? <laughs> there's a Gabriel Knight 3. Where were you? The, there's, a, there's a GK3 at the end of this. I, I threw it on. Better never than late. <laughs> um, no, I just, you know, <laughs> the, the, somebody would say, right? The <laughs> door, the door closes and locks. Did you ever have? Uh, did, you ever, did you ever have teachers who did that? Like you know, at nine o'clock or at you know the top of the hour, they close the door and lock it. Like, and you they mean, will not. Well, like good. teachers with a flagrant disregard for fire codes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yeah. that's what I'm talking about. No, the idea being like, if you are so much as one second late after the after the bell rings, uh, then no, no matter how much you pound on that door to be let in, you're going to have to go to the damn office and get a damn tardy slip. Yeah. That, that might have happened, but all of our um, all of our records disappeared in the great fire of 1996. <laughs> <laughs> along with the class uh, of 96 along with the class of 90 <laughs> along with the the entirety of the class of 96 so that might have happened but uh, <laughs> yeah. a lot of kids were locked into a uh, a burning death trap <laughs> a convection oven of flesh yeah. that uh, <laughs> that just just melted an entire varsity generation <laughs> um, so yeah oh. i never we didn't have um tardy slips i think that like you can get in trouble for that. You can be sent down to the office or whatever if you're consistently late. But I don't think any teachers did that. Mm. You didn't have to go down to a couple of things we like really didn't have. Like we didn't have um, hall passes. I just saw those on TV. Mm -hmm. And uh, or no, we, we did have sometimes hall passes. We didn't have hall monitors. Yeah. Uh, so like you, you know you'd have they, the teacher would give you it's like going to the bathroom at like a an independent restaurant. Like they give you like a a spoon on a stick or something like that. Like some kind of like thing to operate as your symbol. Yeah, like a key on a hubcap. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. They get and so you'd go out, but there wasn't really, you know, if a teacher was out walking around, you know, they might ask to see it, but there weren't hall monitors. There definitely weren't students who did that. That's a weird right. thing on TV when it's like, oh, do you guys not have class now? <laughs> yeah, like, do you do that instead the... of study hall? Like, what is the what is a hall monitor? <laughs> you know, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have that either. I think school, that... I mean, school's all tracking now, probably though. Like, it's probably very different. Yeah, school. I mean, it's basically Disneyland. You get bracelets and stuff and. Yeah, you know, get, get in front of the line if you pay more stuff like that. Yeah, the I, I walked by the school that was by my old house near my future uh, house apartment, and uh, kids were outside jogging, 
uh, and jogging to like loud misogynistic hip hop. <laughs> and it was like playing through the speakers and it was just like blasting throughout the block huh. as they were jogging. And I was like, huh, like they would, they would not listen. Like we had to listen to like Iggy Break Your Heart and shit when we exercised. Oh dumb. yeah. Yeah. I, either that or, you know, hope that Ross brought in the Mortal Kombat soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's a best case scenario. <laughs> But yeah, yeah there, there there was one Gabriel Knight three response, and I threw that at the end here. Thank God. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's uh, let's go ahead and get started since uh, people came out in uh, in force. Um, I'll go ahead and get us started here with Gordon. We're talking about uh, Penumbra. Gordon says via contact. This was my first experience with three D physics puzzles outside of Half Life, and for some reason, I just couldn't get my brain into the right space with this game. Cue me freezing to death in the snow as I struggled to spin open the wheel lock on the door at the start of the game. <laughs> um, yeah, you can die in the beginning, which is kind of more of a, a Easter egg. Mm -hmm. But it is cool uh, that it can happen. And it's cool that it happened in the wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you're not willing, if you're not uh, in the right mind space to spin those valves, I it's very funny, like how that was a fad for a while. Like I've run into that on hex crank quite a bit, like mm. just like, OK, and now you're just going to have to uh, move your mouse in circles. And now, like all of those actions are just done with button presses, I think, is accessibility. Um, yeah, actually, sometimes. I mean, it's not um, like Soma still has moving the mouse like you still manipulate things, right? Mm. If I recall. I don't know if like you're, I, I don't know I don't know if you're doing like uh turning valves to open bulkheads like that yeah. in there. And I, yeah, I don't remember it. It seems like um I mean the, the best case scenario for those cuz I like having to do an unusual motion uh -huh. to 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 open a thing is just to have it skippable in a menu. Yeah, yeah. accessibility like to do like an uncharted 4 thing. Yeah. Yeah. So just yeah, just make it skippable but like as a thing I actually like that this the same thing that would happen to the character happened to Gordon. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I like that. Uh, <laughs> That's right, Frozen yeah. Boy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, get froze, boy. <laughs> uh, Samuel writes via contact. While I never bought Penumbra, it has a special place in my memories due to the Novant Falcon. For months, I would obsessively visit the local the local electronic store to play the the Penumbra slash Novant Falcon demo to experience quote the future of PC gaming. Interacting with the environments in Penumbra made me feel like I was on the fast track to the holodeck, with occasional interruptions from store clerks about actually buying one. While saving up money and following Falcon news, yeah. <laughs> 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 <Yeah. laughs> While saving up money and following Falcon news updates over the next Sky's year. Sky's still good. <laughs> Local cloud. Mm. Accident. <laughs> Voles explained. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the, following those updates for uh, the course of the next year and a half, I slowly realized that little to no game studios were actually doing anything with this quantum leap in gaming. That's in quotes there. Uh, and I used my savings to get a new graphics card instead. This hype and huge letdown made the made me the cynical consumer that I am today, uh, avoiding gimmicks like VR and Kickstarter consoles like the plague. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I remember uh, uh, doing the uh, you know seeing the the the, the Falcon uh -huh. and stuff and and hearing people talk about it on podcasts, but I never really played with one in the wild. And I remember. Like my 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 general skepticism about VR probably extended to that too. Like, yeah, as just being fine with the, you know, the the abstract mode of interfaces is generally okay with me. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been neat to like play around with, but like, I think even when the Falcon came out, I kind of clocked that. Oh yeah, something that's expensive probably isn't going to be a big enough selling point for mm-hmm. studios to actually include support for it, right? Yeah, and um, that, that tends to be the case. Like, VR is pushing it, mm-hmm. you know, is, is bucking the trend. And I think it will actually make it out of, but it's still it does not have the saturation. Like, it's still moving slower than like I think some people expected. Yeah, it's you. You know, um, yeah. The 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 Falcons uh, the Falcon still has some life. I saw video slash images uh, maybe like a couple years ago. It could be one of those things where I think it was a couple years ago and it was actually five years ago, um, uh, where it was paired with VR and a flashlight to make basically a VR fuckscape for you. Okay. Yeah, and the Falcon was you know put into the crazy little gravity gun jaws of the. Uh, uh, or no, the flesh that was put into the crazy gravity gun jaws of the Falcon to provide the resistance and hmm. simulated, you know, movements, which yeah. um, seemed inventive at the very least. So it's so an extremely expensive uh, alternative for a wedge, like wedged under a pillow technology. <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. An extremely al- uh, expensive alternative to the lonely sandwich. However, yeah. like it was timed with the movements of a weird anime lady. At least yeah. in the video that I saw. So who knows? Gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there, there's something I just looked on, on uh, Amazon oh, yeah? for them and you can buy them used, hmm. uh, you know, which is kind of, kind of fun. I just, this is the kind of thing I just need uh, lazy games reviews to do like a 20 minute oddware episode about it. And that's all I really want. Yeah. Yeah. That will get all of my Novant Falcon out of my system. Yeah. Um, Zachary says via contact. Uh, this is the kind of game that makes me glad that WAF exists. Amnesia is probably my favorite horror game, so I was pretty excited going into this. I got about an hour in and couldn't figure out how to prog- progress, so I looked at a guide. Turns out I had to remove all the stones from a metal box and then move the box to reveal a trap door, which felt really obtuse to me as a puzzle. That was the moment I was glad that Cole and Gary would describe the game to me without me having to play any further. Thanks for the coverage. And Cole, uh, candidate for Hexcrank? Uh... Presumably referring to this. Yes, uh, referring to Penumbra. People have asked specifically about doing um, Black Plague. Um, I would be really interested in doing that. However, I'd want to do Penumbra, you know, Overture as kind of a preamble to that. Uh, And so I want to get some space between this episode, between the WAF episode and going on with the rest of the series. So yeah. I'm definitely going to get an article sometime in the future, but as far as like a live stream, I would be like totally down with doing both Black Plague and Requiem. I just have mm-hmm. to work up to it. And they're both like one or two sessions. Yeah, yeah. Like they're both, you know, just very, very bite sized. Yeah. Well, I could do, I could, I could do Overture like in a weekend, knowing what I know about how to get through it now, having done it recently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it goes quick, and so so does Black Plague. Like Black mm-hmm. Plague's a little bit longer, but not that much longer. Yeah. Um, and then Requiem shorter than that. That's um, like an expansion. Yeah. Yeah. So the um yeah they, they go fast mm-hmm. so um yeah that's yeah that's interesting it's always interesting what's going to turn out to be uh just counterintuitive mm-hmm. you know and stuff because like that that puzzle seems like that that seems very easy to me or very obvious not easy yeah uh, very obvious to me and then other things will just seem like they make no sense and or you know really counterintuitive I mean I think all of us operate with selective blinders on certain stuff like the game hadn't really done an awful lot to tell you that maybe some of the stuff that was like written around would either exist or be meaningful. Like that puzzle to me was made easy because you saw those diagrams of like the guy working out the trap, Yeah, Um, yeah. you know, like drawn on the shelves there. 
But if you're blind to that and you just kind of don't see it, then it starts becoming, you know, um, it starts becoming obtuse, like Zachary the, said. The thing that I think that it doesn't do a whole lot to, to show that, but the only thing I would say, like, in the, the game's favor as far as expressing it is just there's not a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah. To look at, like, I think that, like, it, depending on what kind of mode you're in, um, you have to you have to be in the mode for a game that is not going to have very much text from the developer yeah. coming at you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that stuff all more or less slips away inside the uh, the cabin after you get through the cabin yeah in the beginning and then it becomes something closer to like um like you have to go into like walking sim mode yeah yeah you know where you're just like hyper aware of your environment mm-hmm. as a thing so the uh it was a neat uh and kind of a neat thing to do but if you're not clued into it like i can understand you know if you're expecting to get a little pop-up still yeah yeah and that that doesn't transition it doesn't tell you like the time for tutorial is over yeah the time for you know it, you know, it does. It's you. You're riding the bike, and they, the you know, dad's taking his hands off you. But he doesn't tell you that he's taking his hands off you. <laughs> you know, so and and we you always see in shows like somebody starts riding the bike then, but they very well could just like crash into a ravine. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, especially <laughs> if dad's running happens, you, running, like, running you down a hill. <laughs> yeah, it probably happens like two out of three times. You right. Know? Yeah. Like they just they just capture the good ones. <laughs> well, yeah, so, editing. Yeah. You know, yeah. editing in hospitals. Uh, yeah. They get rid of all that. Yeah. Big, um, big hospital keeps those <laughs> secret. Yeah. So like that, that, that crate thing, like one thing that, 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 that it leverages that the game hasn't shown you a lot before is that objects do have weight, um, mm-hmm. you know, and like the total, the total weight of those stones. So like what they could have done is have, you know, like a really heavy weight on top of that foot locker in the in the cabin to show you that, like, oh, you can't open this when this is on here. When this is off, you can. Sure. So something like that. Yeah. If I was if I was suggesting prescriptions for this. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah. Mo- moving on to micro horror games. Mm-hmm. Ashley says via contact. Hi. First time. Long time. And all of that. I'm really glad that you covered these smaller indie horror games. The atmospheric environmental explorer is one of my favorite subgenres uh, at the moment, and they fit perfectly into a single sitting on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, I had not played I'm Scared before, and while I found it interesting, I also found that it tested my patience. For me, the most head screwy thing that the game did was make hitting escape twice to hit the game, <laughs> or uh, to quit or to the, game, the game rather. Yeah, to uh, was to make hitting escape twice quit the game. Um, fairly often I pause the game to check the desktop folder, uh, or a guide only to inadvertently quit and lose progress when reentering the game. Frustrating. Additionally, uh, I encountered a fun glitch that I'm not sure whether it was intentional or not. In chapter two, the menu did not disappear. When I pressed a on my keyboard, instead of showing me the achievements, the avatar started to spin wildly and would not stop until I quit the game. Whiteface strikes again. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the uh, yeah, the like glitches are obviously a thing, but I definitely accidentally quit a few times too. Mm-hmm. Like as a thing, I would really like a standardized uh, version of that across games. Yeah, like what exits the game. Mm-hmm. Like the two things I want that, and I want it always to be a thing where you can escape all the way out and skip the uh, title screen. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I like Alt does it really well. Yeah. Oh, what do they do? Yeah. There? Well, there's just you have uh, when you press start, you have an option that's quit to title screen and another option that's quit to desktop. Oh, nice. And you just choose which one you click on. And you can't really like, you know, it, it doesn't happen through pressing escape or through buttons. Mm-hmm. Like you have to actually go to the menu. So it kind of stops you from accidentally doing it. Mm. Um, and you even when you're playing with a controller, the uh, 
the analog stick does not change what thing you're highlighting. It moves a cursor. Oh, cool. so you're not going to be accidentally on a thing you highlight. Like you have to intentionally go select the thing. Yeah. I, I want to, uh, so two things I would want it to be standard, the quit button to be like a timed press, not like, you know, yeah. reloading in gears of war, but like hold it down for a couple of seconds just to yep. confirm it. And also I want, um, I want it, every game to do those dialogue boxes that say it has been 25 seconds since your last save. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. To give you those little things. That would be yeah. great. Yeah. Just in yep. terms of quality of life stuff necessary and it's yeah. just so, it's so dumb that those things have not become standardized like if there's if somebody can stumble upon the best way to do something and it's so clearly the best way to do something uh-huh. and people don't just copy it whole hog you know ever yeah. like you know just like it feels like at, like at any given time i've been playing like four different games they all do this four different ways mm-hmm. you know and i don't i just don't get it yeah you know? that seems like something that like console manufacturers would try to impose on people and that might yeah. actually end up causing some of that fragmentation too maybe yeah, I don't Regardless, know. I mean, if if then then the problem is on the uh, the console manufacturers for choosing you know choosing different <laughs> ways to do it. Like yeah, for doing it bad. You know, I like if you if you could stack up on two different sides of like a seesaw, <laughs> the annoyance of accidentally quitting a game versus having to go to the title screen and quit from there every single time. Uh-huh. It is almost always the latter. Yes, like I accidentally quit a game. Like it happened in, and I'm scared because it's a weird indie game, and you know it's was made a long time ago, mm-hmm. but it's pretty rare that that happens. And just having to go to the title screen and then go into it. So a lot of times you have to go into the title screen, then you have to go forward a menu to go back. Uh huh. Then like sometimes you have to select your profile. I think, yeah. I think uh, vampire does that too. And that sucks. Like if yeah. you accidentally go to the title screen, fuck you. Like you're in for three more menus and loading screens to like, <laughs> <laughs> just get out of the, just stop playing the video game. Yeah. Uh, Rocksmith you know? does that very badly as well. So if you're, if you just choose, you know, quit from the song select menu or from within a song, it will take you back to the title screen. However, you can't really do anything to quit out until you press a button to move forward one level in the menu, but moving forward one level in the menu logs you into Ubisoft servers. Oh, so, so before you God. can quit, you have to log into Ubisoft servers again. Ubisoft can just, fucking die <laughs> it's really company. bad they strike again the uh the i love first, rock the first they so... made the entirety of the far cry and assassin's creed series and now this <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. yeah rocksmith is really good but yeah that that, that that is a bit of a bummer um being reminded of whiteface so since i played i'm scared i also watched uh tiny puppets 4dx yeah yeah, you and know, what happens to Tummy is very... Bites. He's got the poison bites. Yeah. <laughs> it's real good. <laughs> um, tummy goes full white face. I love that that Scott Garnier, Garnier is uh, doing uh, uh, official merchandise and stuff, and he's been making gifts uh-huh. and things uh, from that. So it's it's nice that like he's taking the mantle. Nice. Like, right after I made a bunch of bootleg merchandise, like, with his permission, uh-huh. but, like, I made a bunch of bootleg <laughs> merchandise. Like, now he has official merchandise that's much nicer than my stuff, so... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm very interested in 4DX. I wonder if they will continue with 4DX or they will end up back in their squalid hellhole. Casa de Casa de Squalido. But how will they do Rombi? I I don't know. Yeah, I know Rom 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 Rombi the Rombus <laughs> will show up uh, in that in that version of it. Yeah. Yeah, but it's so good. I said this. I've said this on the show before. Best joke in that is like the three hundred people who worked on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. So good. <laughs> oh. 
Yeah. So good. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I watched that um, for the first time. <laughs> I, I thought that I'd seen the one you were talking about, but I watched the actual 4DX episode uh, for the mm-hmm. first time last night. Um, I'm currently suffering some back pain, and so I, I had some edibles to you know smooth that out. Mm-hmm. Just escape for like a fucking second. And so I watched that when I was in the full throes. Um, mm. and it was, uh, I, I was just dying laughing. I was very happy. Somebody w- like doesn't live below me to hear mm. exactly what kind of awful sounds I was making. I, I, uh, I had a similar effect from watching it after waking up. Oh yeah. Like really <laughs> upon waking up. It was pretty nice. Nice. Um, yeah, very good stuff. <laughs> uh, moving on to more micro, uh, micro horror responses. Chris says via contact, I played through my father's long, long legs for the episode. Though discussion through discussion of the game, I discovered another by the same creator, my uncle who works for Nintendo. It's another short twine game, though you can play through multiple times for different endings. I really like the way the horror was delivered, uh, starting from a very comfortable, familiar setting and slowly letting you pick up on things that just don't feel right. Eventually, you get a pretty good idea of the true nature of things, and then you can pursue the final ending, which puts new light on the story, especially your friend's role and motivations. I found it a great experience to go through in an hour or so, and hopefully you do too. Yeah, this so is one... a recommendation for another game by that creator what was that i'm sorry is essentially a recommendation uh for another game uh by that same creator oh yeah nice yeah i i had heard about my uncle uh who works for nintendo uh kind of alongside like some other stuff like horse master things like that just that Mm -hmm. is one of those twine games that pops up Mm -hmm. by people talking about it yeah me too i i had not uh i still haven't played it um but i knew i will at, at some point um the uh uh, and I'm more interested now in knowing that it is a horror game and I wasn't interested in it when I thought it was a comedy game. Yeah. Like I just assumed it was a comedy game based on the title and I was just, like, ah, you know, like this guy is funny, but also I'm just less interested in that. Right. Right. Um, you know, in general and now that, you know, this does make me want to play it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at some point I definitely will. Yeah. Um, so, awesome. Yeah. Thank you for the reco. Yeah. Getting in, get on that people listening. Yeah. So, um, Matt writes via contact. I had assumed that the Night in the Woods episode would be the one that finally motivated me to send a comment, but it turns out the micro-horror episode got me there first. I believe you both expressed some frustration at Lost Constellation feeling a little bit off, uh, and I'm curious if you knew where it fits into the into Night in the Woods' production history. I might be getting a few details off, but it kind of came in a point where the game was rounding the corner and the devs were feeling a bit of burnout and decided uh, to make uh, the, this game, uh, sorry, Lost Constellation, uh, as a sort of follow-up to Longest Night, an earlier, much more su- simple supplemental that they had released. At a GDC talk, Scott Benson uh, talked about it being a bit of a breath of fresh air for the team during Night in the Woods development, and some of the feedback and experience they got making it fed back into the main game. I'm not saying this as an argument to any of the negatives said in the episode, just curious if that context gives either of you any kind of fresh perspective on Lost Constellation or even Night in the Woods itself. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean... I, I I knew about that. I've, I've watched that GDC talk. Like two things that it makes me think of is like one, like, and we we were both pretty pretty positive about it. Yep. Like I didn't feel like we, you know, it, it's it wasn't that, but also just like not not really. Like no, you know, I don't. Um, it's not it's not really important to me. Uh, in general, like what you know the the circumstances, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like if something like this happens, like it doesn't. Um. Uh, you know, it might make it make more sense and it's interesting and it's trivia, 
but it doesn't actually affect the the product very much. No, it, you know, it, not it's to go like full death of the author, but like yeah, it's it's compartmentalized. So like, I'm glad that they they got a fresh breath of fresh air, but it doesn't really change like the experience of playing it. Like yeah, you know, it's weird. It's weird to me to play a game and be like, oh, I know that the developers went through this and have that actually impact like how I'm feeling about what I'm doing. You know, that's something I experience. It's not something I experience very often. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it's 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 interesting, but like it doesn't change like the structural problems with yeah. Lost Constellation and kind of the random order of things and just kind of how walky it is. Um, yeah, you know, which especially since I think that the the things that are that um, you know, and th- I think this is probably true. You know, based on that GDC talk, that the things that like even with with Lost Constellation or Night of the Woods, like the things that I did have a problem with are not things that the developers agree are a problem. Right. You know, so like if that kind of walkiness or the weird way you just kind of have to keep going, like I don't think that's ever seen that was part of them getting a breath of fresh air. Like I think that just kind of has always that's that's intentional. That's by design. You know, it's something I had a big problem with, like in both versions of it. But there's something that they just thought was good and cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and like, so it wasn't something, I don't think that was part of what they were trying to escape from, Yeah, I guess, or trying to get a fr- breath of fresh air with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And um, like yeah, the, the stuff that was cool and neat about Lost Constellation was cool and neat about, um, yeah. the main game. Like it looks really good and the writing is on point. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's hard to, you know, it, 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 it's, it's hard to do that huge of a reevaluation. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. The um yeah so yeah I, I had seen that um as a thing I watched that uh, GDC talk that he did I referenced that in the the thing so it's interesting to see but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't actually change my my feelings on it which are generally positive like I like uh, uh, Lost Constellation quite a bit yeah I think it's a very sweet game um yeah uh, moving uh, forward to responses about Night in the Woods the titular night <laughs> Julia says by contact Night in the Woods very clearly wants you the player to feel ludically like May Borowski. Trapped in a small town, left behind by your maturing friends, and incapable of affecting change. You, the player slash character, have little to do each day. Uh, you can't speak eloquently, especially when you're drunk. And in my case, you can't play your old band songs for shit. Yet when you compare Night in the Woods to similar books slash films, I find those infinitely more rewarding because of pacing. Laura Palmer is dead in the first scene in Twin Peaks. Stephen King slash J.D. Salinger's first sentences are never boring, etc. Can a game overcome requiring a person to be actively bored much of the time or upset by the mechanics to be as good as a to be good as a piece of art? Or is Night in the Wood just poorly paced, especially for me? Uh, P.S. The loading screens did not help. This is like an interesting like so the the yeah, so the, the, essentially like can you do boredom as a mechanic like in a game? Like can you, you know, like this is something we I think we said during the episode is you have to be really careful if you ever intentionally bore the player. Yeah, you absolutely have to. I think it can be a good like knock on side effect. Uh, consider mm-hmm. something like Mist, right, which is you know contemplative to the point of uh, you know for a lot of people being boring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I mean, I, I fall back on your on 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 your saying though, like don't threaten me with boredom is is the thing. I think yeah, that. I think that what, what what you're getting by trying to instill that sense of, you know, the, the, the stultifying rhythm of living in a small town, if you're trying to do that, there are ways you can get that across that do not, um, you know, that, that do not communicate the boredom directly to the player, right? You know, force you to be alongside it. Like um, boredom is not an interesting emotion for me to empathize with. Yeah. Like out of the negative emotions, right? So like 
we're recording this. The next game we're recording about is Hellblade. Mm-hmm. Um, and that game goes out of its way to make you feel negative emotions. Yeah. But each of those negative emotions is much more like bore- boredom is not interesting by definition. It's the right. opposite of interesting. And like feeling boredom is not something I want to be a tourist to, I right. guess. Like a, a thing I also think about and people love these games and I'm just like, they're good. Like they're, they're, they're funny and stuff, mm-hmm. but uh, like the no more heroes games. Yeah. And like their entire like, what if you just had to do boring stuff for all the side quests for all of them? Ha ha. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. It's like, eh, actually, go fuck yourself. Like, how about, I, you know, how about no? Because, oh, you made a real clever point. Like yeah. being bored is boring. Like, mm-hmm. congratulations. You got me. You know, like, oh, I, I started playing your video game and I, I started doing a side quest and it was incredibly boring. Like, you really tricked me. <laughs> you know, good yeah. job. You know, made made me look. Uh, you know, that that's a very frustrating perspective, you know, and people love that stuff and they just think it's very funny. And I think it's just like a, a question of, uh, you know, it just kind of like boiling away. Like they just remember that it happened mm-hmm. and not the experience of doing it. The weird way that like, you know, the long like how how everyone says like, you know, Skyrim is tip to tail is great. And they're just remembering the highs and not, <laughs> you know, standing face to face with a dragon slowly, methodically swinging a sword yep. in front of its face. You know, like that's a game I like, but yeah. like it's, you know, it's, they don't, you know, the way that the time boils away mm-hmm. monotony. Yeah. You know, I guess. And that happens yeah. with Night in the Woods too, right? Like people, you know, uh, like we were talking about this game, like a lot of people were just like, no, like I didn't, I just don't, I don't even remember like the, the boring parts of it. Mm hmm. You know, and it's like they, they just remember the highs and the highs are so incredibly high and good that like <laughs> I want that to be the case. Like I want to to just remember those two. So I get it. I just wish I only experienced them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It happened to me, too. You know, like after we record that episode, I went and read a bunch of stuff just to see what I missed on other scenes. And like there, you know, there are quotes and stuff and I'm getting misty about it and forgetting all the walking that takes that takes place in between those, you know? Yeah. I don't know that I would go so far as to like strictly eliminate boredom as a as an element that you could do you know, once or twice within a game to make it work for you. Think about like the crazy endless uh, stairway at the, uh, toward the end of Silent Hill two, where you're, you know, yeah. walking up, up and up, you know, like, well, that's, bo- not, that's not boredom at all though. <laughs> you know, like that immediately something feel that's dread. Yeah. I, I know, suppose. Yeah. Not. Like, yeah. it's not like, that's the thing is like, maybe you can go for something else. And that's uh-huh. the trick is like, going for pure boredom is not i think that's the 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 folly yeah like like boring sections as a pacing thing to lull you into a sense of uh kind of complacency or you know just thinking okay things are going to be one way or the other and then hitting you when you get into that spot i think that is actually a really useful color to have on the palette i just don't i don't appreciate when a game is built around it yeah and then then that's definitely you know what's coming going on here but it's funny though because that gdc talk that's like mentioned in the last response i i I never know how much of this is intentional. Like I, I definitely thought the same way Julia did that. Like that was the intention. Mm-hmm. And then the GDC talk, GDC talk, like talks about how fun it is to do the platforming. Like you're just right. popping around. Like, and I'm like, ah, boy, it just like, <laughs> wasn't fun for me. Yeah. Um, which is all in all of this is subjective. Right. So it doesn't, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's fine. Um, you know, people's uh, pacing is going to vary, but I will say like, so when, uh, when Julia compares different art forms, like you can have a character be bored and write about it and it isn't boring. Yeah. You know, it's pretty rare that like a, a TV show or like you take, um, uh, boy, I think about like in the breakfast club, mm-hmm. like when the, the scene where they're bored, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's going from character to character showing what they're doing because they're bored. Mm-hmm. That isn't boring for us. Like in part, because it takes, you know, 45 seconds, 
but also because they're doing characterization through it. Yeah. You know, it's not boring for the viewer. It's just showing a character be bored. The fact mm. that this is trying to make me feel bored is the difference between the mediums. Like, yeah. It isn't just like when you read a story that begins in a small town, uh, you know, Stephen King or J.D. Salinger or any of the examples that Julia brought up, like the intention of that story is never to be boring. Right. It's just to have characters that are bored or in this kind of bucolic, like, you know, serene to the point of blandness yeah. in the beginning of Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. Like there's a bunch of jokes in that. Like you're supposed to be bored by that town, but it's actually <laughs> full of jokes. Right. You know, like that, like every other medium doesn't do it by trying to make the experiencer bored. Mm -hmm. But there aren't mo movies don't try to make you bored. Right. You know, that's just something that like weirdly is unique to games. Like books never try to make you bored. Like no medium tries to make you not entertained. Right. You know, uh, whereas like no more heroes like thinks it's the, the height of cleverness to like make you mow lawns, <laughs> you know, as a thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it is a weird thing. And I agree that you just have to be extremely careful with it, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, and, and, I, and even like, again, I came out pretty positive on night in the woods. Like I like night in the woods a lot, despite like having those problems with it. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how well that came across, but I like that game a lot. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I just would have liked it more with some, some changes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Riley says via contact, the moment I fell in love with Night in the Woods was when you first play Die Anywhere Else. Uh, that's the first song that you play with your band. Um, I'm working class, early 20s, living at home in a small town that's never recovered from the Great Recession, feeling like the world is passing me by. So it isn't hard to relate to May and her friends. But this song, on top of just sounding great, lyrically captures that disenfranchised feeling of the 2010s young adulthood perfectly, as does the whole game. Uh, I was awful performing with the band for, uh, for the first time, but I couldn't stop thinking about this song. So every in-game morning, I practiced it. And slowly, I got better. As someone who'd never played an instrument or even uh, a rhythm game growing up, I, I suddenly realized that, oh, this slow improvement and pride in a in eventual masterful performance is why people love doing these things. <laughs> uh, shortly, <laughs> you solved music. <laughs> yep. uh, Welcome. <laughs> uh, shortly after my embarrassingly simple realization, uh, band practice came again and we played a new song that I didn't know, which I totally flubbed just like the last time. Oh, well, uh, I'm still a long way from the end, but I already love this game and can't wait to see how these characters will develop. Uh, once we start getting into whatever mysteries await in the woods. It's a, you, you got some time. You get to yeah. spend a lot of time doing like hanging out with the band. Yeah. You know, so like if that's the that it's good that you are on board with that part, you know, and not waiting for the fiery firework factory. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that that is a great song. Something that we were talking about, an uh, interesting conversation came up in the Slack about that, that I think is kind of cool is that um, there are tons of vocal covers of that, uh -huh. um, which are interesting. And they're all like 100 percent, very, very uh, heavily produced. Mm. And I'm like, this is a garage band. Like, yeah. how come no one has taken like it has a laptop, but it's still <laughs> just like they're not meant to be masterful. Like somebody in the Slack was asked, um, you know, it's weird that they're so good and they never like to talk about gigs or anything. And I think it's good because it's a video game, but I don't mm -hmm. think they're supposed to really I don't think it's supposed to sound great. No, you know, they're a garage band like and no one has done like a garage band cover of it. Everyone is doing these very beautiful, like multiple part harmonies. Uh, one hundred percent polished, like lady vocal, yeah. you know, super, super good, um, you know, kind of like techno electronic background <laughs> versions of it, and it's like that's that's kind of a bummer, 
But, you know, but like, is, is that just what a garage band sounds like now though people literally using garage band on their laptops like i mean it, the, it can uh, it but can the singer be, should like, be worse you know <laughs> yeah. like the, the singer could be worse like the the programming could be less sophisticated like uh-huh. there's still ways to to express that in uh yeah. electronic medium like you can still you know do do some junk yeah it, you, you, know, you can emulate it, but I'm just wondering, like, how much of what we call, you know, our, our conception of like DIY musicianship uh, is is out of date, and like, you know, so many people just have the ability to make something more polished that that's what it I, comes out as. I don't know, man. I, I think that, like, I thought about that, and it's like the difference between um, like instrument palette and polish, because like yeah. there's polish, there's an element of polish that's just the quality of the tone, right? Which that that, that to your point, like the quality of the tone is going to go up as you're playing a laptop. Mm-hmm. But like sophistication of like the the arrangement mm-hmm. isn't right, you know. So these people like the the issue with the covers that I see online is like the arrangements are all very sophisticated. And there's a couple there's a couple just like you know uh, waifs on a on a ukulele, right, right? As well, like you know, like you're gonna get here, here's a very very slight young man or very slight young woman doing a ukulele cover of it, <laughs> right? Uh, and it sounds like a bank commercial. Like there's those things too. But like whenever they're electronic, like it's not just the fact that the tones are there; mm-hmm. it's also that. It's just very sophisticated, yeah. You know, in a way that I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel like this band would be. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd really love it if that was was not the case. Like somebody do that cover, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please, um, yeah. But yeah, that's that's great, and it is it is a great it's a great song. I've listened to it like a whole bunch of times. Still searching for that the cover version that I want to listen to over and over. But I've listened just to the OST version a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, it is a great, 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 great song. Yeah, the soundtrack is great to have on, um, just in the background. I like it quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah, it is impeccable. Like I think it is like the 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 me the thing in the game that I cannot, you know, that I think is is literally inarguably great. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to Noah. Noah says via contact. Night in the Woods hit me at the exactly perfect time in my life, having just had issues that forced me leaving college at twenty. And worrying about what I do with my life at all, let alone right then. Playing as that scrap cat helped me understand things that I needed more fully than more than I fully understood. The full-on esoteric horror, esoteric horror barely even hit me until a second playthrough, and the characters and themes are too easy to get hooked on to remember that you're facing a dad cult. <laughs> I still try and play it every now and then, just to remind myself of those characters, that set of understandings, and it's fantastic to uh, to hear that I get to listen to you guys talk about it. I uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know how much you enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. And it sounds like it's, it's a little unclear from the response. I wasn't sure if Noah like played through it or not, whether he like picks it up and plays it or picks it up and just kind of pokes at it to be in yeah. the world or not. Yeah. The, um, the, the, yeah. the handful of other people kind of talk about picking up and playing like a day in the game every other day or so, which is prob- mm. probably a good way to approach it. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. Yeah. Do it like a, like almost like an animal crossing rhythm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It does have, it does have a lot of that hangout vibe. Yeah. This, so. um, this game and the responses that it evokes, um, brought out a lot of our younger listeners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very strange to hear, to think of somebody being 20 listening, but uh, I guess because yeah. the putative listener that I picture in my head is equidistant between our ages. So like in the yeah. thirties and, you know, going full dad, but yeah, yeah, takes all kinds. Yeah, takes all kinds to listen to this show. <laughs> the uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks, Noah. Thank you. 
Um, Andrea writes via contact, there's a lot to praise about Night in the Woods. It's funny, it's moving, it's scary. But there is a certain thing about it that I find myself particularly drawn to uh, and is a feature I use as a selling point. It's a game that asks you to, com to commit to it in order to get the full story. Pardon the comparison because I know it's become a bit of a joke, but Night in the Woods is one of the few games that took what I made uh, that took what made Dark Souls special and successfully recreated it, as opposed to most games that explicitly try to capital capitalize on Dark Souls' success by making games that purport to be good because they're hard and fail at both. Uh, sure, you can just go through the critical path, hanging out with friends, hunting ghosts, and uncovering the local conspiracy, the greater good. Greater um, good. <laughs> uh, but there will be certain parts of the game that will go unexplained unless players learn about Possum Springs' history and its citizens. The best example is the four mus musicians that appear in May's Visions. Unless you complete the side quest involving the two musicians, you'll never learn about the Deep Hollow, the Deep Hollow Hollerers. Um, the story the game presents you with is good, but it becomes incredible when you work to find the flavor details that shade everything in. I, I think that's a, like with, with no, uh, so this is interesting. Like, I don't, I don't, I disagree. Like, mm -hmm. I think this is very different than dark souls in that respect. I yeah. think this articulates in a totally different way. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with, and again, obviously with like respect, it is all, uh, subjective and stuff, but like they feel very different to me. So like that musician example. Like the equivalent of that in Dark Souls would be going and fighting a boss and like not knowing who they were, right? You know, and you just kind of get through it. Um, the the way that the musician thing is kind of paced and put in front of you is so different, you know. Like the the like getting through it is not uh, uh, it's part of the critical. Like it'd be like an optional boss in Dark Souls or something, yeah. Or getting getting the Cath path or something like that, like. The fact that this is ultimately a more linear game and that some of the stuff that you don't have those full uh, uh, context for is on the critical path. But that just makes this feel very different to me. And there, there's also an element of compelling you into the secrets, right? So like the uh, uh, we make the I made the make the comparison between like Hollow Knight and Dark Souls a lot where like you get to a thing and like if you push through this thing, you're rewarded with new stuff like. Sometimes in this, like I, you know, I go all the way to the right side of town and there's just nothing there. Yeah. You know, and, and like, it doesn't, it does not feel the same, like structurally wise, structure wise. Yeah. Like, I think this is a weird comparison. Um, like it's a closer comparison to something like we mentioned in the, the episode, this thing like gone home where like you can go through it, but there's also a lot of kind of secrets and stuff to find. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of closer, but I wouldn't put, I wouldn't compare those two things just because the, you know, having, having, having hidden knowledge is not enough souls like for me i guess you know yeah i don't know if i'm being like articulate but something about this like i, I really like I, I don't i don't think so I, I disagree um which is fine we each get a we each get to have a take on this yeah you know yeah. but yeah i I, th I think that if there is a similarity it is uh maybe if not just the confidence but a predilection toward being okay with having good stuff be hidden away you know the kane hurst and painted world problem um, yeah, but that is, I think that the comparison kind of ends beyond like a more, um, superficial read of that. I, th I think the other thing, I'm glad you brought that up because the other thing too, is that like part of this is explicitly allowing you to have important stuff or so the difference between important stuff and sig like a significant, uh, kind of, uh, like significantly weighted stuff, mm -hmm. you know, like, um, so like, uh, uh, the painted world is incredibly good. Yeah. Um, and it fills in a lot of details, but it's not necessary for like the theming. 
yeah. of the thing. And then when I got to the end of Night in the Woods, like as much as I did love it, like there were kind of big sections I felt like were necessary to get the story that were not available to me. Like right. a lot of the kind of, you know, the thing that kept coming up when we were talking in the Slack was like I had some issues with the 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 views of religion in this game, specifically with like the idea of the janitor and stuff. And people were like, oh, that makes a lot of sense if you if you go talk to the pastor and you go and you get more of kind of May's spiritual side. Yeah. And that being optional felt more key to the theme. Yeah. Whereas if you just if you beeline through Dark Souls or something like that, you're still getting the broad strokes mm-hmm. of the thing. And it felt like more things were kind of missing in the night in the woods approach to me. Yeah. Maybe. So it's an interesting like idea. And I think that there's probably a version of this kind of game, like a walks walking sim t- style game that does that, that it can have a, a strong closer to Dark Souls kind of like feel to it. Mm-hmm. But this didn't feel that way to me at all. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it was just because I didn't want to do the things to get the to get the extra bits like getting those bits in Dark Souls is always a, a, a ludic pleasure. Like it's you know, I want to go explore a new level and see a new environment and like fight new things and, and get new weapons. And there's like lots of things to draw you along. It wasn't just the fact that those were missing. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think I think it's more than that. I think it's structural, but. Yeah. And speaking as the, you know, the half of the show that did go look for the stuff, you know, tried to do mm-hmm. what felt like a completionist play, like the stuff that I appreciated that they hid was, you know, things that reflected on, you know, the, the main characters and the mm-hmm. stuff that reflected on the history of the town didn't really add an awful lot for me. Mm-hmm. Um, aside from, you know, again, the broad strokes that were there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it is a it's an interesting idea, but I just it's it's very hard for me to to make that jump. Yeah. I guess part of part of it is, too. I guess, is, you know, I talk about it not just being the things that are missing. That's definitely part of it, too. Like, is that for me, like going and finding that stuff always went hand in hand with more than just additional knowledge. Yeah. Like it was exploration in a meaningful, like fun sense. Yeah. So like finding uh, the painted world or finding uh, the great hollow or something it was just kind of like, oh, wow, I, I, I'm broken the world like i've gone outside the boundaries of this Mm -hmm. and i think night in the woods never made me feel that way yeah like you know getting to go to a new section of town never felt cool or good or anything like that it was just like even if it wasn't a chore like even if you're Mm -hmm. more on board with the walking and jumping in this game like i I never felt like i broke the world right you know so it could it could just be that there's more things pulling you into that yeah you know so, but I mean, like also Dark Souls is an unfair point of comparison because it is uncommonly masterful at rewarding <laughs> right. everything it wants you to do. Like you get a lot for getting, the, in addition to that extra story, you're doing a lot of things. Yeah. So maybe this is what that looks like if you just get extra story. Yeah. If you just have, you know, Eureka moments unmoored from uh, yeah. kind of other more significant things about it being a game. And and lots of other significant things. Yeah. Like ex- exploration, mechanical reward, like challenge, you know, um, uh, environment like I have all of these different kinds of things so yeah. it's an interesting idea mm-hmm. for sure um weird autumn says via contact this is somebody who's on our slack who uh, you know obviously a very big fan of the game given that this has always been uh, her screen name mm-hmm. on the slack uh, says via contact and the woods spends a lot of time priming you for tragedy the somber autumnal atmosphere the gothic preoccupation with ghosts and hauntings may's deteriorating mental state and her feelings of dread by the time you reach the end, you have a good reason to believe that death is real, present, and possible. And that made finishing the game the first time really stressful for me. I connected to May. I liked her in some ways, and I know this is very strange given she's a complete train wreck. I admired her. 
There was something earnest and empathetic and punk rock about her that spoke to the person I wished I could be. It was only a few months later when I finally figured out uh, who that actually was. Weird Autumn popped into my head while I was looking for a new handle, and it was the first thing that really fit. Autumn felt like somebody worth being in a way that the old me never had. Uh, But the main reason I needed May to be okay was because I knew that creeping dread. Preoccupying yourself with routine and searching for anything to distract you from the awful feeling in the pit of your stomach that grows grows and grows every single day. That feeling is how I spent most of my time in college, paralyzed by deadlines, so overwhelmed by the papers I wasn't writing that the only way I could function was not to think about them. And the way that feeling resolved for me is the same way it resolves for May, a brief period of intense destructive activity and mania followed by a strange emptiness once it's finally over. You have a moment to breathe, but the hardest parts are yet to come and you don't know uh, what you're going to do about it. I still don't know what I'm going to do. At the end of the game, May doesn't know either. But in the long run, after the final scene is done, with enough time and effort and growth, I think she's going to be okay, and maybe I will be okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Well all, said. The, all the bagging we do on May uh, in the episode, I think, is warranted, but there's also the side that, like, she is incredibly relatable, I think, mm-hmm. you know, and she has a very good depiction of kind of generalized dread and anxiety, depression, like any number of things that a lot of people are going to be you know, familiar with, um, and will, you know, readily identify with. I also don't think it's entirely, um, uh, out of line to admire her in a way because she is incredibly resilient, you know, (laughs) and she's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she's funny. Like she's very, she's a likable character. And that's, Mm -hmm. we, we talked about that a lot during the episode, the difference between a likable character, you know, and somebody who like, you know, is a compelling character Mm -hmm. and like, she is funny, you know, like she's, she, she goes back and forth between those two things. Right like likable and just kind of interesting quite a bit. You know, like I, I never got to this point where I didn't think she was kind of a shit, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of a bad friend, but I also had the same experience where I thought she was going to get better. Like the end of the game, her realizing, you know, like I wanted to hurt bad. Mm-hmm. Like that was the turn. That was the character growth Yeah, that she needed to get over the problems I had with her during the game of being kind of a garbage friend. Right. You know, um, you know, so I, I never didn't think that that there was hope or mm-hmm. that she wasn't on an arc or a trajectory to get better. Yeah. yeah. You know, like when people talk about unlikable characters or they talk about uh, characters that are unsympathetic, like part of what I think it is, is they're not working towards anything. Right. You know, if a character if a character is not going to get better, you know, then what's the point? of You know, then it's like if there's if, there, if you can't get better, there's no hope for any of us. Like, <laughs> right. you know, there's you got there's got to be mobility. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you got to be able to be on a trajectory to get better. And I never felt that way with May, even when I was like, why aren't you? actually listening to your friends right you know i i never thought there was no hope mm-hmm. you know for her yeah so yeah mm-hmm. I, can, I can i can definitely see that and yeah and, so, and then, like it's funny too because like so many of the responses are about relating uh to me and like i you know grew up in a, a garbage depressed town and hung out with a bunch of weirdos and, and musicians and artists and stuff and i just i didn't have as much like re- you know and had mental health stuff and i get think it's just a different flavor of it yeah like I was much more inward than this. Like May is very like her mental health is weirdly like there's it's like there's anxiety, but also she's always out. Yeah. You know, and always and she just talks to people she barely knows all the time. Like all of my stuff had a lot more anxiety. Yeah. Than hers did. So it just instead like instead of having an experience like this, it was a lot more of just like staying in my room. Yeah. You know, which would make less of a good video game. <laughs> right. But when I was when I was at my whatever the closest, my equivalent of this, it would be a lot of spending time in my room. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, you know, how do you capture in a video game the sense that your bed is either a thousand feet in the air and you can't reach yeah. the ground from it or a thousand feet, a thousand feet below the floor and you can't climb up out of it, climb out of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like, <laughs> because the, that's the way it expresses for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the yeah. only thing, you know, that the only thing that makes sense today is like playing Jade Cocoon or some nonsense until <laughs> the sun goes down. Right. You know, I'm going to stay in, stay in bed and do this and just like get through another day. Like these are, those are all the feelings are the same, but just the way it articulates is so different. And I think yeah. that like some of that might be when you talk about this, bringing out a lot of younger listeners and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that might be the case. That might be a somewhat of a generational thing. Maybe like maybe people who grew up more online have socialization as part of their, you know, their, their bed bound depression. Yeah. Whereas for me, socialization was never part of it. Like, yeah, when I was in that spot, it's just like it meant like total isolation, mm-hmm. you know, and it's weird. Weirdly enough, the game never does that. Like, it's never about that. No, you know, you never spend time on your own right. in this game. Like, you almost always go and talk to somebody. And a lot of times it's like old teachers and stuff. And that's the thing, too, where like in my my equivalent of this experience, like I was not friends with the like, neighbors and old teachers like they were the enemy. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to talk to like randos on the street. And yeah. go, go, go see who's working at the store and talk to them. Like, yeah, but, but part was, of what's necessary to make this game have such a sweet tone is the fact that may has a very robust support structure. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she is willing to lean on them, even if it is not to like hoist yourself up. Like, I think that mm-hmm. it would be a much more depressing and alienating thing if she did have, if she did have our expression of that. It'd be depression quest. Yeah. You know, like there, there's a game for that. Like yeah. that, that does, does a version of that, you know, but it's just, it's interesting too. I was just like, and part of that's related to the response and part of it isn't just like self-interrogating, uh, like why the relational aspect of this didn't hit me quite as hard. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a big part of it. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, what does Adam say? Adam says, uh, Night in the Woods is a game that is forever going to have a special place in the hearts of me and my wife. While we were drawn to the game by its beautiful art direction, we didn't expect the game to hit so close to home for us. My wife and I were raised in Pennsylvania, smack in the middle of the Rust Belt. In this game, made by a group of developers born and raised in Pittsburgh, I bet good money that Possum Springs is a stand-in for Beaver Falls, paints an incredibly accurate picture of what it feels like to live there. The feeling of being trapped, the stagnation, and overall gravity of a place that you tried to escape from that pulls you back in feels so familiar and true. The main street of my hometown is a dozen blocks of abandoned factories where where industry used to live. Uh, The sidewalks and bridges are crumbling and overgrown, covered in graffiti and ivy. That's a place that is losing to entropy with people who display a hometown pride that seems to be nothing more than nostalgia for days long gone, supplemented with heavy drinking. Die anywhere else would have been our anthem. Night in the Woods came to us during a bad time in our life, and its message of a universe that doesn't care, but people who do, really was what we needed to hear. At the end of everything, hold on to anything. Be good to each other. That might be all that we have in this world. Um, and don't forget to have some fun along the way. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. Yep. yep. Yeah. So <laughs> in the process of, you know, kind of, uh, hermit crabbing into this, into this house, I've started putting up, uh, yeah, I've got like whiteboards everywhere. Cause you know, I don't like needing to move very far to like write something down and I've like mm. primed them all with like different quotes. So I've got the spider Robinson, uh, 
the Spider Robinson, oh gosh, shared joy, shared pain lineup. And I also put in, I believe in a universe that cares and, uh, and, and people or any of your universe that doesn't care and people who do. That's a really powerful line. Um, and I think mm-hmm. one of these responses talks about how, how much of a bummer it is that that is not like a required part of the game that you can, that you mm-hmm. can miss that because it is very, a very good thesis, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Like that is, that is a good, a good message mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to a response from Zachary. Zachary says via contact. I'm pretty sensitive to games not respecting my time. So I'm somewhat surprised by how much I love this game especially when this love is due to not in spite of the slow and meandering pace. The aimless, slow wandering feels so finely crafted to evoke that feeling of being a listless 20-year-old in a small town. I looked forward to walking around town each day, going to chat with all the regulars at their expected spots, and hoping to maybe overhear some town drama and go on a little adventure with my friends. It is also understood that this pattern is unsustainable, both financially and spiritually. The naive comfort in feeling that life will never change while at the same time having an intense internal desire to be something more, for it to be something more. Even the fact that trips uh, with your friends are exclusive to one another felt to a point. You can never be the perfect friend to anyone. I don't think this game would work without that slow trot around town. It felt integral to the feelings of community, nostalgia, stasis, and unrest that are at the core of the game's themes. That being said, the last three of those dream sequences can fuck all the way off. (laughs) Through that. Um, I don't want this to sound like all uh, sound like this worked for me because I understood it better than anyone else. But I do think this is a very singular game evoking that very specific idea and emotions using boredom and repetition as tools. And I think the degree to which this game works for you will largely depend on how much those themes resonate with you. Maybe the lack of universality, a uh, universality is a negative, but it made it for a very personal experience for me. P.S. If people clicked with May's character, the movie Francis Ha is a big recommendation. So this is interesting, right? So this also reminds me of something in the Slack. Um, I don't, we, we just talked about the response from Adam, right? Yeah. Where like, to me, there are a bunch of themes in this game. The, at the end of everything, hold on to anything, you know, the universe is uncaring, but people are, is a way better theme than like trying to get across this like listlessness of being in, you know, in your twenties, Yeah. you know, and kind of wandering around town and stuff like they don't feel uh, codependent to me. Yeah. You know, so it's interesting that like, so you can read like Zach's like thing and then talking about it being extremely important to evoke that feeling, you yeah. know, and like, yes, that, that feeling is intentional. And like, I think that's part of the game, but it's not the, no, it's not the remarkable thing of the game. Right. Like the game does a lot of remarkable things and you could get across that feeling of like these characters and their dependency on each other and how they're helping each other face this like literal, you know, the hole at the center of everything. Mm hmm without being like, what is it like to be bored in a town walking around? Yeah. So the thing that I think is troublesome about this is that the depiction of life in a small town um, and kind of living out this uh, kind of existence there, that is taking up equal weight and is drawn in equal comparison to the cosmic themes of the narrative, right? They're both trying to share the same space. And one of them you interact with more because like literally you are interacting with it. It is, mm. you know, it, it it is what the game is to my mind. And the thing that makes more, that would make more sense to me is that, you know, being forced to return home because of your problems and, you know, the sense that like, you know, the, 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 there is gravity, no matter how far up I go, I always land back here. That is the inciting incident. Like that is what primes you to experience that smaller you know, more earthbound theme, um, you know, through the cosmic horror that is set up. 
you know, so like the dropping out is the inciting incident, the, um, you know, being forced to walk these same streets over again. That is the, uh, that is the inciting incident for the story that the game is actually trying to tell about the uncaring mm-hmm. universe and the people who do care. Right. I just don't mm-hmm. think that they need to, to, to share equal weight and equal space, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's a weird, like the argument is always like, I, I just don't buy the argument and it's been made a bunch that like, that, yeah, that, to your point, like, yeah, they don't have to share equal weight in space or that one of them is like, I think that like walking around the streets is necessary, but way back to Julia's point, you can get that across without doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like those those other works that do this, this kind of thing and evoke that feeling are less than because they're zippier. Right. You know, like they get they get the feeling across just as well. Like one of the things that kept coming up, like in the slack um and i gotta talk, stop talking about games i'm playing them in the slack because like, <laughs> you know we end up with like people just like individually addressing the criticisms which is not what responses to the show are really meant to be and also you know but like the uh you know because we talked about you and i both brought up the idea of like a graphic novel version of this mm-hmm. you know and and people were like well you know it wouldn't work as a graphic novel because i wanted to feel like i was in the town and stuff i couldn't get a sense of the town and i just i like if the important part of this is that feeling of connection and that feeling of uh, the fr- the friendships and stuff uh in the setting like you could definitely get across that setting and feeling and visually mm-hmm. you know through a thing like 100 like the important part the themes of of the the kind of capitalist like anti-capitalist themes and the 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 humanist themes of this mm-hmm. like 100 could get across in another medium yeah you yeah. know like those parts and if you don't think those are the important parts if you think the important part like is the the feeling of being one you know aimless and wandering around town that's fine like i just don't i don't think that's the, that's the important part right that's the important part to me um you know so it just uh, uh i guess it's just choosing what what to focus on like they i to me they weren't all the most important part yeah you know i guess like they're very clearly the important like most noteworthy most resonant themes and then there were some that were somewhat less mm-hmm. i guess yeah, I just wonder. No. Uh, like, I wonder if you could have kept a lot of the a, a lot of that appeal uh, by having just one day be aimless, right? By having yeah, yeah, like <laughs> just the first gonna... day you get back, yeah, like before you, you know, find the... a purpose, right? Yeah, you know, and and explicitly too, it's it's you know, and I brought this up in the episode as well. Like, if the idea is like you're you're you know role playing, like the other defense that a lot of people have brought up, like where they talk about this thing, it's like, oh, this would be realistic. Like, you know, I'm role playing as this. It's like, well. You, you know, if, if your friend, if your, your friends need you, or if there's, you know, kidnappings or there are arms about, it's not realistic. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be going and talking to everyone in town, like a checklist. Like nobody does that. Yeah. You know, I, I can't think of a life that involves going in and talking to the same strangers every day on a rhythm. Right. You know, that's it. That's very gamey, <laughs> you know, and that's fine, you know, if it's gamey, but it's not a role playing decision. Mm hmm. You know, and as the the thing you know, we talked about this is like the the pace and the tension ramps up, like that becomes like more and more dissonant yeah. as a thing to do. So even, you know, when you talk about one day, that's actually great because, you know, once an arm is found, maybe it's time to stop just like going and talking to every neighbor and seeing how they've been while you've been gone for yeah. two years. You know, there's arms about <laughs> like there's arms. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, but I don't know. I, a, a day, a day, I think would be actually really good. Yeah, you know, to, to set the thing, have that be an activity. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can even then you can make less of it. You know, you can make more of it. Be choosier about the things you have to to kind of see. Then mm-hmm. you know, so if you have some real some real light, like if you have the um, uh, I can't remember the name, but the the homeless fella, you know, that storyline which is extremely good. Mm-hmm. Like have that be part of that day. Yeah, you know, this is important to the theme. Like 
put that there, put that up mm-hmm. on Front Street. Yeah. You still have your hidden stuff, like make the rats feeding, you know, the family of rats. Mm-hmm. That's your hidden content. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Owen says via contact, I'm glad that you're covering this game. It starts off a bit slow uh, and it has a few qualities that maybe aren't problems, but definitely aren't, aren't for everybody. There's almost no choices to be made in the game, except for the extent to which you want to opt into to th- uh, opt into things. I, for one, really liked feeding the rats every day. The music is great. The second dream sequence music in particular uh, was stuck in my head for a week. Uh, the dialogue struck me as very youthful, self-aware, and nihilistic. A touch of the uh, a touch of the Lovecraft is definitely felt. I liked it very much, which I suspect scales almost one to one with liking the game. Uh, it's almost entirely dialogue trees, usually without even the pretense of the ability to change the conversation. If I had played this back when I was around May's age, I think I, I think it would have been uh, quoting it to an irritating degree. I did one night of the game every evening after work. It provided a calm, melancholy, and funny end to the day. Uh, I'm not sure at all. I'm sorry. I'm not at all sure uh, that the the plot hangs together very well. Dad cult. Um, (laughs) But I find myself unwilling to scrutinize it. Um, I just like watching a group of talkative friends uh, and a pair of loving parents shoot the shit about a pointless world. Depression, anxiety, wage slavery, and a weird cat Cthulhu feed on our misery. But, you know, fun crimes. There's a sweet possible. But, but, you know. (laughs) Fun crimes. But, you know, yeah, yeah. (laughs) but, you know, fun crimes. Uh, There's a sweet possum by the bridge and mom still loves you. Yeah. I wonder if, too, I wonder if this is a thing where if the the dad cult stuff was structured a little bit more traditionally, if that would land better. Yeah. Because those things are related. You know, we talked and we talked about this at length. That was like the body of the episode. Yeah. The main part of it. But those things are related. I wonder if it just like it'd come in a little bit smoother and sooner if that had been if that would have felt more connected. Like I agree that like that's the the strength is is the shooting the shit yeah. with a loving family and and you know mom still loves you after the fight and stuff. Like that's by far the the AAA plus stuff of the game. Yeah. You know. But yeah, well said. Um moving on to Andrew who says via contact. Many works of media have dealt with the major issue of the world or major issues of the world or have dealt with the struggles of living an average life, but it's hard to think of many who have dealt with the idea of living an average life in a world of major issues. In one of my favorite lines in the game, Angus tells May that he believes in a universe that doesn't care about people who do. And it's a real shame that the structure of the game means that many people will miss this stargazing scene uh, that this comes from because I think it's one of the game's main themes. Night in the Woods is partially about recognizing that the world does not have an inherent meaning and therefore it's on us to create our own meaning. May knows uh, and we know uh, that it'll all end one day. But while nothing can save you forever, a lot of things can save you tonight as the ending line of the game says. And hopefully you can live a life you love with people you love so that when it ends, it'll hurt real bad. As May yells at the amorphous cosmic embodiment of entropy, malice, and cultural and fiscal conservatism. <laughs> because one essential component of living that life, uh, living that kind of life, at least according to Night in the Woods, is caring about the suffering of other people and the political actions trying to ameliorate that suffering requires. And the political actions trying to ameliorate that suffering requires. Sometimes that means distracting your friends with playful nonsense while they're trying to get through a difficult phase in their life. And other times it means banding together to unionize the local ham panther. (laughs) Night in the Woods recognizes that the political is personal and the personal is political. That caring about your own life and caring about the lives of others is not mutually exclusive. It is essential. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. 
like the only the only thing I would say is that I do think that theme comes across without the stargazing scene. Mm-hmm. Like that that is the the thesis of the the May confronting the god, which like to me is the climax of the game. Like that's yeah. the thematic, you know. So I I got I did not do the stargazing scene and got that theme just as strongly. That's good, you know. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still bummed out. Like the thing that I'm most bummed that I bummed that I missed is the germ warfare stuff. Because reading mm-hmm. about his scenes are, you know, very sweet. Like, yeah, he is a benign weirdo who just kind of hangs out and seems like weirdly tapped in with what's going on with the tunnel people. But like mm-hmm. the culmination of of all of his stuff is that like, oh, you know, I just it looks like you are going through a tough time. I'm just going to do what I can to lighten your load. Because mm-hmm. to what Andrew says, you know, about like, oh, you need to care about the suffering of others. Like, you know, this game really hammering on the point that we can all lighten each other's load um, mm-hmm. is incredibly important and resonant for me. So, like, that, I, I desperately wish I had seen that stuff. Yeah. Like, YouTube it, dude. Yeah. It's it's around. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's not gone. <laughs> desperately yeah. wish is also pretty, is also, yeah. it's, it's pretty, <laughs> so maybe, it's pretty, pretty strongly stated. Slight overstatement. I am rending my garments and gnashing my teeth or gnashing my garments and rending my teeth. Somebody who wrote in for a response like a couple months ago that were like my like my said like something my lifetime dream is I hope to and it was like oh no it was it's not suffering whenever people say like I desperately do hope one day to own this and it's like own a game that's twenty dollars on games you know, it's an extremely achievable dream my friend yeah. the, like you could you could do that yeah yeah. This is this this is the theme in the game. This is the part when I talk about something that's important to the game. Uh-huh. You know, like this is this is the core of it to me, and this yeah. is the stuff that would survive transitioning mediums and would survive quickening the pace. It's also the thing that the game has most in common with Callahan's. Uh-huh. Um, and it's inter- You know, it's cool to do those next to each other. Like it's hard to. I I think that like I felt more emotionally touched by by Callahan's as like a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it had that humor angle as part of it, which I don't see as often, but both of which are both of those games are just very like uh, great expressions yeah. of a very humanist idea that is, you know, super resonant. Yeah. So it's interesting to do those so close to each other. Yeah. It's also interesting to do Night in the Woods and Senua close to each other. Yeah. 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 There, there's some some stuff there. So that's yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. There, that's good. It's going to be it's interesting time. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't don't no one get used to it. Like it, this, is, this is a weird. Uh, this is our weird autumn. And then once we get into 2019, like we got some real candy coming up. So like, you know, expect some stuff that like don't mean shit, uh, like, you know, before too long. Like, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So th- thanks everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We have a uh, one final response here. Yes. Is this me? Uh, I believe this is you. Okay. Uh, no. <laughs> we asked people to write in about Gabriel night three. Daniel uh, acquiesced to that uh, saying, I actually played Gabriel Knight 3 before I played the other Gabriel Knight games. I got it on a discount rack while on a high school band trip, along with the original Homeworld. Um, I had time to read both manuals while other folks were asleep, and I was so excited after reading the comic book in Gabriel Knight and the awesome Homeworld manual uh, that I was just loaded with lore. Uh, That was just loaded with lore, the manual was. Um, I loved the Jesus bloodline element of the story, and I was flabbergasted when I found out that the Da Vinci Code ended up being based on the same theories. Say what you will about the problems of Gabriel Knight 3, I think it's just a much better story than the the Dan Brown book. Um, I really enjoyed the ending because of how unsettling and out there it is. You find out that you are a descendant of a monster, you are a descendant of monster hunters set up by Jesus himself. 
and then Grace leaves, and then a unicorn vi- visions. Unicorn visions. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, it was just straight up overwhelming, especially for my high school mind. The bad graphics worked a bit for me there because it made the whole thing more surreal. Le Serpent Rouge is still my favorite video game puzzle of all time, though it's super easy because of all the hints. But you're right, it makes you feel smart. Uh, it's the same thing that made people really dig the Da Vinci Code. It's a puzzle hidden sorta in plain sight. Also of note, because I was still a young, dumb, straight, white, cis dude, uh, I was surprised by uh, the Lady Howard and Estelle being a gay couple. I hadn't seen that much in video games, and it was a bit of a shock that their relationship was not really commented on as abnormal, just a normal relationship. Uh, Now, it's been a while since I played it, so uh, it might have actually been kind of problematic, but I know that it was neat for me at the time. I I don't think it's too problematic. No, like, I don't remember anything really like much sticking out. Yeah, I don't remember anybody making like a weird offhanded comment. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think I think that's handled uh, pretty well. And I, I have not uh, I've not seen the Da Vinci Code and stuff, but I would not be surprised if Gabriel Knight Three has a much better story. Yeah, you know, I've never seen the movie. I read the book like fifteen years ago or something. I liked Gabriel Knight's mm-hmm. treatment of it more. <laughs> yeah, like, there's vampires. Yeah, of course. Uh, which is significantly cooler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, thanks for coming in. Coming in the clutch. Yeah, with Gabriel Knight three. Uh, I, lo- I love my sweet boy, even when he stumbles. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you know, lo- love love the sinner. If you, if you can't love Gabriel at his worst, you don't deserve him yeah, at his best. Do. Yep. <laughs> love the sins of the damned, sins of the fathers. <laughs> uh, you know, hate the uh, hate the hate the sinner. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, love the sinner <laughs> of the damned. I did something like that. Um, yeah. So thanks thanks everybody uh, for writing in. Yeah. Um, there is still time to write in about what we have coming up, including uh, the winter. WRPG, which we're going to announce now. Yes. So November sees us doing Hellblade, Senua's Sacrifice, and The Witcher, Blood of, uh, yeah, Blood and Wine. I about said Blood of yep. the Sacred, Blood of the Damned. That would have been weird. Blood, blood of the Wine, Sacred of the Damned. Mm, wine, yes. blood, blood, blood of the Wine. Blood of the Sacred, Wine of the Damned. Yes. Is the, uh, Witcher 3. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. No. So in December, we are going mm-hmm. to be covering, uh, Gary, you should probably announce this. Oh, the uh, we're going to be covering Baldur's Gate 2. Yes. Uh, uh, in its entirety. Yeah. Take a, uh, uh, not including the expansion, right? Yep. Not including the expansion because the expansion's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's going to be, it's already a huge game. Yes. So, uh, and we're going to be doing this a little bit differently than we usually do WRPGs. Uh, so first episode is going to be just systems and stuff. We haven't done a Baldur's Gate game. We haven't done an Infinity Engine game before. So that's going to be systems and setup, you know, and probably the tutorial. Mm-hmm. And then instead of splitting things up into main quest and side quest, uh, Baldur's Gate 2 is really excellent at incorporating side quests into the game. So we're just linearly going through it, hmm. um, like the uh, uh, doing kind of acts yes. in the game. Uh, the, the whole second act of the game, or after the prologue, um, the, the, you are sent to raise some money. You have to raise a lot of money. So it's just saying do side quests. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be very weird to do those as a separate episode because it's yes. the body of the first you know, third of the game <laughs> or so. So we're just going to kind of go through in order. Um, we won't necessarily catch everything, but we will catch all the major stuff. Yeah. Um, and some of there's mutually exclusive stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So I can, you know, I played this uh, several times. I can at least comment on that stuff. So don't yeah. feel like just because we're doing everything cool, you have to do every side quest. Like it's worth doing the major ones, mm-hmm. you know, cause they're good and you, you need to, you need to get strength and get money. Cause again, they incorporate fucking around into the actual, narrative it's really great yes um but yeah we'll just kind of be covering the rest of the game and then we'll have uh responses on the 29th yeah about that so 
So on the 29th, 30th, yeah. no, 27th. <laughs> um, but yeah. I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Um, at some point, um, you know, this does not just, uh, mean we'll never do throwing a ball. Mm-hmm. Throwing a ball is really cool. And it is cool to finish the story of the character. Mm-hmm. You know, this probably does mean we'll never do Baldur's Gate one, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. Um, it's still it is good. It has lots of things to recommend it, but it, this is a way better game. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's going to be interesting. I'm really excited about you playing it, Cole, mm-hmm. because I want to see you see kind of the beginnings of like a BioWare's like romance stuff mm-hmm. and things like that are in this. Like it's it's a early version of it, but yeah, you, the, the DNA is there. Yeah. No, I'm just generally down with it. Like, you know, we had a couple of options that we were considering and just it made sense to charge right into Baldur's Gate 2 because, you know, I will never play that if it's not for a show. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it is worth um, it is worth doing and commenting on. And D&D. Yeah. Like, D uh, you know, D. D, D on the D. Uh, the just having, uh, you know, doing Monster on my podcast and just being like, yeah, this is uh, all mm-hmm. these monsters and, and iconography is holy. <laughs> you know doesn't it feel good to do this thing that's holy you know <laughs> yeah. um yeah. so uh that's that's december we already have talked about some of the stuff we're doing uh next year it's going to be good mm-hmm. stuff um stay tuned to hear about Duckstream. uh that is going on again this year um we're just waiting to get through portland retro gaming expo to start planning it yes so uh that will also happen probably in december as well mm-hmm. and uh yeah so if you have anything to say about any of those games hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact if you want to support the show, uh, the, the network, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv, mm-hmm. um, kick us a couple of dollary dues, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you can support your boys, keep the lights on, and also get cool stuff in uh, recompense, which yeah. you can see uh, if you visit. Yeah. So, um, And if you came to visit during Portland Retro Games Expo, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Well, with that episode that we're recording live then uh, and kind of our weekend reflections and stuff will probably be an early 2019 episode yeah so if you do miss portland retro gaming expo you'll be able to hear all about it uh on the network yeah and uh thanks you know thanks for the people we to the people we met thank you to the people we didn't get a chance to meet as well yeah. uh you know if you can't make it like as long as i'm living in portland it probably makes sense to do this expo mm-hmm. and it is always a good time so it's never too early to start planning for next year yeah um i mean i guess there is it's too early to start playing for two years from now. I would say, yeah. You know, who knows yeah, when so, the meteor is going to hit, but yeah. yeah. So, so I guess there is a, there is a such thing as too early, but currently not too early to start playing for next year. Yeah. It doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so is there uh, anything else? No, not that I can think of. Yeah. Ratings, reviews, duckfeed.tv slash store, listen to other shows and, and thank you guys very much. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, until next time. Good. Good night. Good night.